0: Symbols in an Individual Analysis by Yolande Jacobi, or Jacobi, part 5. The beginning of the analysis, a 17th century French drawing of the Palace of Dreams. Here is a widespread belief that the methods of Jungian psychology are applicable only to the middle aged people. True, many men and women reach middle age without achieving psychological maturity, and it is therefore necessary to help them through the neglected, fa- neglected phases of their development. They have not completed the first part of the process of individuation that Dr. M. Elgon Franz has described. But it is also true that a young person can encounter serious problems as he grows up. If a young person is afraid of life and finds it hard to adjust to reality, might prefer to dwell in his fantasies or to remain a child and such a young person especially if he is introverted one can sometimes discover unexpected treasures in the unconscious and by bringing them into consciousness strengthen his ego and give him the psychic energy he needs to grow into a mature person that is the function of the powerful symbolism of our dreams other contributors to this book have described the nature of these symbols and the role they they play in man's psychological nature. I wish to show how analysis can aid the individuation process by taking the example of a young engineer aged 25 whom I shall call Henry. Henry came from a rural district in eastern Switzerland. His father of Protestant peasant stock was a general practitioner. Henry described him as a man with high moral standards but rather withdrawn person who found it difficult to relate to other people. He was more of a father to his patients than to his children. At home, Henry's mother was a dominant personality. We were raised by the strong hand of our mother, he said on one occasion. She came from a family with an academic background and wide artistic interests. She herself, in spite of her strictness, had a broad spiritual horizon. She was impulsive and romantic. She had a great love for Italy. Though she was by birth a Catholic, her children had been brought up in the Protestantism of their father, Protestantism. Henry had a sister, older than himself, with whom he had a good relationship. Henry was introverted, shy, finely drawn and very tall, with light hair, a high pale forehead and blue eyes with dark shadows. He had not think that the neurosis, the most usual reason, had brought him to me, but rather an inner urge to work on his psyche. A strong mother tie, however, and the fear of committing himself to life were hidden behind this urge, but these were only discovered during the analytical work with me. He had just completed his studies and taken a position in a large factory, and he was facing the many problems of a young man on the threshold of manhood. It appears to me, he wrote in a letter asking for an interview, that this phase of my life is particularly important and meaningful. I must decide either to remain unconscious in a well-protected security, or else to venture on a yet unknown way of which I have great hopes. The choice thus confronting him was whether to remain a lonely, vacillating and unrealistic youth or to become a self-sufficient and responsible adult. Henry told me that he preferred books to society, he felt inhibited among people and was often tormented by doubts and self-criticism. He was well-read for his age and had a leaning towards aesthetic intellectualism. After an earlier aesthetics, athletic stage, he became rigorously Protestant. Atheistic stage, he became rigorously Protestant. But finally, his religious attitude became completely neutral. He had chosen a technical education because he felt his talents lay in mathematics and geometry. He possessed a logical mind trained in the natural sciences, but he also had a propensity toward the irrational and mystical that he did not want to even admit to himself. About two years before his analysis began, Henry had become engaged to a Catholic girl from the French part of Switzerland. He described her as charming, efficient and full of initiative. Nevertheless, he was uncertain whether he should undertake the responsibility of marriage. Since he had so little acquaintance with girls, He thought it might be better to wait or even to remain a bachelor dedicated to a scholarly life. His doubts were strong enough to prevent his reaching a decision. He needed a further step toward maturity before he could feel secure, sure of himself. Although qualities of both his parents were combined in Harry, he was markedly mother-bound. In his consciousness he was identified with his real or light mother who represented high ideals and intellectual ambitions. But in his unconscious, he was deeply in the power of the dark aspects of his mother-bound condition. His unconscious still held his ego in a stranglehold. All his clear-cut thinking and his efforts to find a firm standpoint in the purely rational remained nothing more but an intellectual exercise. The need to escape from this mother prison was expressed in hostile reactions to his real mother, and the rejection of the inner mother as a symbol of the feminine side of the unconscious, but an inner power sought to hold him back in the condition of childhood, resisting everything that attracted to him, attracted him to the outside world. Even the attraction of his fiancée were not enough to free him from his mother ties and thus help him find himself. He was not aware that his inner urge for growth which he felt strongly included the need to detach himself from his mother. My analytical work with Henry lasted nine months. Altogether, there were 35 sessions in which he presented 50 dreams, so short an analysis is rare. It is only possible when energy-laden dreams like Henry's speed up the process of development. Of course, from the Jungian point of view, there is no rule for the length of time required for a successful analysis. All depends on the individual's readiness to realize inner facts and on the material presented by his unconscious. Like most introverts, Henry led a rather monotonous outer life. During the day, he was completely involved in his job. In the evenings, he sometimes went out with his fiancée or his friends, with whom he liked to have literary discussions. Quite often, he sat in his lodgings, absorbed in a book or in his own thoughts though we regularly discussed the happenings of his daily life and also his childhood and youth we usually got fairly quickly to the investigation of his dreams and the problems in his his inner life presented to him it was extraordinary to see how strongly his dreams emphasized his call to spiritual development but i must make it clear that not everything described here was told to henry in analysis one must always remain conscious of how explosive the dreamer's symbols may be for him. The analyst can hardly be too careful and reserved. If too bright a light is thrown on the dreaming, dream language of symbols, the dreamer can be driven into anxiety and thus led into rationalization as a defense mechanism or he can no longer assimilate them and can fall into a severe psychic crisis and the dreams reported and commented on here are by no means all the dreams that Henry had during his analysis, I can discuss only an important few that influenced his development. In the beginning of our work, childhood memories with important symbolic meanings came up. The oldest dated back to Henry's fourth year, he said. One morning I was allowed to go with my mother to the baker's shop and there I received a crescent roll from the baker's wife. I did not eat the roll, but carried it proudly in my hand. Only my mother and the baker's wife were present, so I was the only man. Such crescents are popularly called muntis, and this symbolic allusion to the moon underlines the dominating power of the feminine, a power to which the little boy may have felt exposed and which, as the only man, he was proud of being able to confront. Another childhood memory came from his f- fifth year. It concerned Henry's sister who came home after her examination at school and found him constructing a toy barn. The barn was made with blocks of wood arranged in the form of a square and surrounded with a kind of hedge that looked like battlements of a castle. Henry was pleased with his achievement and said, teasingly to his sister, You have started school, but you are already on holiday. Her reply that he was on holiday all year upset him terribly. He felt deeply hurt that his achievement was not taken seriously. Even years later, Henry had not forgotten the bitter heart and injustice that he had felt when his construction was rejected. His later problems concerning the assertion of his masculinity and the conflict between rational and fantasy values are already visible in this early experience. And these problems are also to be seen in the images of his first dream.